Warning, Serious Business is a podcast about Vriska, who did nothing wrong. Yes, hello. Uh, welcome to Serious Business. Uh... You may have noticed it's a little different here this time around. The vibe has uh, changed. The vibe has changed, and that is, of course, because we have met the protagonist of Homestuck, um, Vriska She's Circuit. Here. She's here. She's been here the whole time. Um, and according to some people, she did nothing wrong. Uh, but before we get into that, uh, my name is Sam. My pronouns are he and him. Uh, my name is Samariel. Folks call me Sam or Ari. Uh, my pronouns are they, them. And I'm Bastion, and my pronouns are he or they. So. So. Ari. Hello. Where do you fall right now on the scale of <laughs> things Vriska did wrong? I mean, Vriska's not a good person. I feel like that's pretty obvious. Like, I mean, it. it mm hmm. It's it's tricky because one of the things we've kind of talked about is the the violence that is sort of inherent to Alternian society. Right. So like comparatively, maybe not so much, but like even other Alternians are like, no, you kind of pushed it, you fucking asshole. So yeah. I. I mean, I she's not a good person. I don't think she's in the right in... In keeping her mother alive? I don't know. Like, whatever, man. I don't know. <laughs> he, she, you do what you gotta do, but also then on top of that, she's a dick about it. And so it's like, all right, you're... Yeah. You're kind That's of fair. asking for it at this point. Uh, yeah, so kicking things off, this week we read pages 2194 through 2273 of Hivebent, of Act 5 of Homestuck. And to kick things off, we are introduced to Vriska Circuit, mm -hmm. the most divisive character in Homestuck. So I've heard. Um, the rumors are, I don't know if they're true, but they are uh, rampant. Yeah, we, we learn a lot of things about Vriska right off the bat. Um, First off, in the uh, the command is Aradia, be the huge bitch, and then we get a callback to the the sketch Jack did of the Black Queen that fades into Friska's face, where it says huge bitch, and the text reads blah blah. But Friska Circuit is a master of extreme role playing and uh, is very good at it, and doesn't really have a choice uh, in the matter because her Lessus is very hungry all the time and can only be appeased by the flesh of young trolls. Um, so Vriska takes the losers and feeds them to her Lucis, uh, which is actually how I prefer to say it uh, and how I will be saying it from now on. Lucis instead of Lucis? Yeah. All right. Sure. Um, what else about Vriska? She talks like a valley girl, which is not really anything worth noting. But like if you if you like the stereotypical valley girl voice fits Vriska very well. I guess. Um, she types in cobalt, and uh, she's the Scorpio troll, obviously. And uh, anytime the letter B is used in anything she's saying, she replaces it with the number eight. And uh, anytime the word uh, sounds like eight, so she, if she was like, I ate something, she would just use the number eight there instead. And then sometimes, uh, for emphasis, she will uh, 
hold a letter and copy it out eight times. And when she gets uh, pretty emotional, she'll actually start putting the number eight uh, in places where it doesn't really fit. So that's one way you can kind of tell when Briska's getting upset. Oh, yeah. Briska also has a stockpile of terrible luck, evidently. Um, and a lot of, a lot of broken uh, like magic eight balls all over her floor. Also, a uh, eye patch and robotic arm. For sure. Um, but like a built-in eyeball eye patch, which is like yeah, it's like cool. built into her glasses. Glasses, yeah, yeah. My 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 first note on this page is just I hate that this is kind of my aesthetic because <laughs> a lot of a lot of Riska's like room is very like cool kind of goth nerd, which is pretty much me. Um, yeah, uh, yeah, I don't think we've specified it exactly in this episode so far, but Vriska's like whole thing is spiders, which hence the eights and all the jazz. It makes no sense to me still. I I still don't like it. She's a Scorpio. It should be a scorpion. Her whole thing is being a backstabbing bitch, which is the scorpion's whole thing. It actually makes some like lore sense in Homestuck for it to be a scorpion because like Aradia's like thing, uh, she has the big frog head. And so, you know, you got the story of the scorpion and the frog there of fucking sure. Vriska betraying Aradia. So why isn't a goddamn scorpion? Why is it a spider? I like spiders. I'm wearing my fucking spider hoodie right now because it's my favorite. And it's just like, why, why is it spiders? It doesn't make sense to me. Because the yeah, web, she is a, it's all about the web. Okay, the web came out well after Homestuck, okay? I mean, web as a tool of manipulation predates Magnus Archives, thank you. Sure, I guess. But, like, it's still, I don't know, It's still, it should be a scorpion. I will, I will die on that fucking hill. Sure. I'm, there's not a good response to that. Like, I think spiders are perhaps more universally known and that's like the counterpoint and and you know scorpions don't have as unified like an aesthetic but like mm -hmm. or or like unified sim symbolism yeah right saying it's a missed opportunity yeah Vriska's a manipulator um yeah she has the the power to control people um who have lower blood than her um which that's something uh, and, um, I mean, Riska comes out of a desire uh, from the part of Hussy to make a troll that is very relevant, uh, to the kids session and will be interacting with our established, like, beta kids, uh, that we haven't seen yet interact with the beta kids. And so upon Riska's introduction, it's very clearly like, a, oh, this is someone who will be seeing things happening in the kids session and trying to use them for her own i mean not profit but like gain yeah yeah i mean Sacrifice yeah she's sort of she's sort of the answer strong. to um what if one of these people was actually good at trolling yeah um, <laughs> yeah pretty much more than like carcat is sort of good at trolling just like by virtue of being uh, loud yeah, and annoying. Not, not in an effort of him trying to be, just because he's the worst and bothers right. people. Vriska is like, has enough um, skill, I guess, to be actually like emotionally manipulative in a way oh, that yeah. 
good yeah. trolling requires. I mean, Terezi killed John though. Like that's a good troll move. I mean, listen, we're not we're not saying Terezi's bad at trolling, but right. Terezi Terezi has too much of an instinct for um, honor. Like, yeah, she killed John once, but then was like felt bad enough about it to like actually help him. Yeah. Vriska's just here to cause damage because can. Uh, before we move on, I should say the name Vriska was suggested by forum user Taryn, and Circuit was suggested by forum user Chin Music. Uh, Vriska is a shortening of the Hindi word for Scorpio, um, and Circuit is the Egyptian goddess of healing stings and bites, and also the personification of the scorpion. So, there you go. It all goes back to scorpions. Yeah. But I'll stop bringing up that crunch. Um, I appreciate that. Vriska's... Uh, <laughs> Strife Specimus is dice kind, which is pretty unique um, from the characters so far. Yeah, um, it's 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 interesting because it's not a weapon. It like right. her weapon is the probability of a weapon, which is interesting. Um, unless you stand on a d4. Yeah. Well. But, yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. Fair but enough. the the action of it is the most abstract we've seen so far, for sure. Yes. Yeah. Uh, her her preferred weapon is the fluorite octet, a set of eight d8s that I am insanely jealous of. Um, they're, so they're so cool. You can't find them like anywhere online. Good, which is genuinely like, surprising. Yeah, yeah. Well, so probably what it is is this is coming out in 2010. Mm. Oh, before the big D and D boom. The D and D boom is happening in 2014, 2015, and then the like real boom in like custom dice is happening after the D and D boom really starts. So by the time that's really going, Homestuck is faded quite a bit from like the like right like, not mainstream but like large internet popularity that it had, which is also interesting in relation to Vriska. Because it means this is happening pre-RPG being popular in like a broader sense. Mm -hmm. So like, mm -hmm. Vriska likes to sort of play very cool, but is also like engaging in a huge deeply... fucking nerd. Yeah, LARP yeah. still is. Her isn't wall is cool. decorated with her character sheets. <laughs> right, her character sheets and her uh, hand-drawn character art that she made herself. Yeah. Yep. Well, and her character is essentially a fantasy version of her, right? Like the the text says, you drew your own role-playing character for fun, as many Flarpers are prone to. She is the best character, and you wish you were her. Oh, wait, you are her. Your wish has been granted, probably as a special boon for being so great at everything. Like, this is what Vriska sort of does. It's like, she oh, is yeah. the very best, like no one ever was. <laughs> or nice. to take it in a more uh, marina direction, she always feels like she's the worst, so she acts like she's the best. Do you know exactly what she wants and who she wants to be? Uh, and now she's becoming her own self-fulfilled prophecy. Oh, no. Uh, oh, no. <laughs> that, that song, um, incredibly popular for the Homestuck AMV community. Yeah, uh, I mean, it's You know a, what? That sounds right. That's that Especially tracks. for Vriska. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Vriska's a fucking nerd. Oh. I mean, especially, right, like, LARPing still isn't, like, cool. No. <laughs> right? Like, I don't, I, th I think one of the McElroys at one point said something like, 
LARPing became a thing, and then a lot of people tried D&D because D&D was no longer, like, the last bastion of nerddom. Like, there's something nerdier mm-hmm. than D&D, and so people were like, okay, I can do this. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I can do this because at least it's not LARPing. Yeah. yeah. Uh, also, uh, on Vriska's intro page, before we should move on, is mentioned, she has also had an ask- accident while LARPing. Um, let's see. Vriska sits down to begin meddling, and uh, it looks like our Virgo friend is um, messaging her, and Vriska's like, ugh, she's such a meddler. Meddling's the worst. As if, yeah. As if she's not about to do the very same thing. And then we get the most meddlesome person of all messages Vriska. The most metal guy. (laughs) Uh this is our hey we can say it i mean we meet him later this this episode yeah, we get our first uh, appearance of doc scratch in the comic um so for those of you who are not reading homestuck uh a mysterious person that types in white text messages Vriska. yeah and she is not a fan there's no username or anything it's just a guy who's like hello we're talking now the background of the site is a very very light off-white and so if you have the right computer monitor it is possible to read his text without highlighting it but uh one of the first lines Vriska says is um i forgot how much i loved highlighting it to read all the boring things you have to say which is a very good like way that the text is telling readers how to to read read this conversation he belittles her and says i did exploit you very thoroughly it was easy it's very villain taking a lap it is mm-hmm. it's also very like i'm trying to think of like this point in the story what's going on right like Vriska is the eighth troll we meet so we're coming down to like the wire on like most of the trolls are gone and this again is sort of the the comic throwing readers for a loop and going there's more stuff here you don't quite understand yet now we'll meet Doc Scratch before too long, and so he doesn't remain that much of a mystery for a whole lot longer. I mean, yeah, what's his deal remains a mystery. What's this right? guy? What's he like, doing? Everybody else we've met is like in the context of the game, right? And Doc Scratch is just kind of like, I mean, Doc Scratch exists like in the context of like the intermission, maybe, right? Kind like, of. But like, yeah. we have no idea what his goals or like motivations really are at at this point in the story we do not but by the end of this section we will right he's very upfront about that kind of but not really we know he's playing a game and he's moving chess pieces around and fucking with people and he doesn't like being fucked with because he's usually the one fucking so it's like we know he's a manipulative puppet master man behind the scenes kind of guy, but we don't really know much about him. So this little back and forth between these two is very like, ah, I will manipulate you, ah, but you are being manipulated by me. Yeah, it annoys her, but he ends by saying some very interesting things. Um, his last bit is, uh, I'll say one last thing. The, the magnitude of the ensuing destruction resulting directly from your actions will be neither possible nor necessary for you to fathom. There nevertheless ought to be a silver lining. The only question is whether you will live long enough to see it. I'm not a gambling man, but if I was, I wouldn't bet on it. Goodbye. 
It's a very good line. Yeah, it's a very good bit, which has implications which go past the end of Hive Bent. Um, but I'm not been. exactly sure how. Um, <laughs> I know some things, but like, meh, I haven't figured that one out all the way. Uh, this is also, we find out, uh, he says, is the last time he will contact her. Dun dun. It's not the l l last conversation we will see because this section is full of like flashback stuff, so. But yeah, no. Our mysterious man came and went. Riska then uh, accepts a message from Grim Auxilitrix, the Jade Virgo troll, who's also uh, parallel to Jade. Um, and one new way we see that is that she also has a lunch top, and hers has uh, squiddles on it, it appears. Yeah, I mean, Grim Auxilitrix has some parallels to Jade, um, but most of the context that we've seen her in thus far has been her and Rose. Um Sure, but in Hive Bent, she has been sort of a jade parallel. Like, she has some Gnosticism. We've seen her hive and the volcano yeah. and yeah. now the lunchtop, right? Like, and the frog There's temple. definitely like, parallels abounding. Right. You could also draw the line between uh, Aradia and Jade, but, you know. Sure. Or even Nepeta and Jade, right? The, oh, the, yeah, like, that one I think is yes, pretty strong. Nepeta, yeah, Childlike, furries, uh, silly, silly, goofy goobers yeah yeah um yes yeah, so in, in the conversation uh virgo is just like hey is your lessus dead yet <laughs> which is a bold opener to a conversation to a person who does not know what the fuck is going on because just like it's like if i just if hey, i just up? called up Bastion one, yeah if i just called <laughs> Bastion was like hey by the way is your dad dead yet <laughs> would not go over well it, it doesn't um have so, you tried <laughs> No, I have not, but um, I don't think I would want to. Not fair. Um, yeah. But yeah, so then they sort of have a bit of a conversation about, like, Virgo tells us, like, oh, yeah, no, all the Lusses are going to die. Lusses? Lussi? Lussi? The, the plural does have eyes on it. All right, Lussi? Anyways, but they're all going to die, and uh, they have this kind of interesting conversation where um, they're talking about... Um, the, the, the thing that gets brought up is because the thing that I brought up in the last episode was, um, or not last episode, I don't remember. Carcat is the one who, like, exploded a big old mean virus. Right. And now Carcat believes that he caused all the Lusai to die because of the curse. Mm -hmm. And there's sort of this kind of, like, parallel that gets drawn here where Virgo's like, that's not necessarily the cause, but that's what he thinks. And so there's this, there's this interesting kind of thing that's done here because it's also done in parallel with like um uh with Vriska's very bad luck where they both just sort of believe it to be true and in believing it to be true it sort of also then kind of becomes true right it's a self-fulfilling prophecy yeah exactly so it's it's, a, it's an interesting thing to do here yeah, one note on that earlier, Vriska steps on a D4 and then blames it on her shitty luck. And one thing Virgo says here is like, well, if you cleaned up your room, you know, yeah. you wouldn't be stepping on the D4. And so you wouldn't be like, oh, my shitty luck. Like, It's not like, an act of God. You need no. to clean up your space. Yeah. <laughs> but perhaps both things are true. Yeah. Maybe God wants you to have a bad room. You don't know. If God can be said to exist in the Homestuck universe. <laughs> Universes. Which one? Exact, yeah. <laughs> Anyways. 
one thing about this conversation we probably should talk about is um, like Grimlock's Illatrix does sort of call out Vriska for some thing. Yeah. To which Vriska is like, oh, well, if you know so well, like, why didn't you stop me? Um, mm-hmm. To which Grimlock's Illatrix is like, well, you wouldn't have listened to me and then you would have just been mad at me and that wouldn't have done any good which yeah i know people like that they're awful to be around in which direction you can't say anything nice to them because they'll interpret it as passive aggression oh yes it's it is frustrating like also that can be used as like an excuse to be like you can't ever say anything because then they'll stop being your friend where it's like right okay but like at some point you have to say something right Mm. which is kind of what um virgo is trying to do here and this is sort of like the second time that we've kind of seen virgo genuinely just like trying to be was it virgo i don't remember i'm gonna take that thought back ignore that anyway say it because wasn't she one of one of the conversations from the last episode where she's yeah. like genuinely trying to help somebody yeah, it's, and is just it's actively the, trying it's to be the a good Virgo friend? Aradia yes, conversation. to Aradia because she says this is the day you're gonna blow everything up, and it's paralleling that previous conversation. Okay, so yes, I I was right. Uh, so yeah, Virgo is genuinely trying to reach out to people and help them, and she does it in a way that is appropriate to them. Like obviously, she kind of knows that she can't just like say shit to Vriska, so she's kind of coming in this side angle, but it's the best way that she has found to try to help Vriska. So, right. it's, it's cool. Virgo, Virgo's cool. I ain't yeah. met her yet, but I like her. Yeah. Also, um, she, she does sign off with the banger of a line, uh, just so you know, I'm sorry for your loss in advance, which yeah. like, is a very good homestuck, like, time bullshit line. <laughs> That's how I'm going to yeah. end all of my emails from here on out. <laughs> <laughs> it does sound kind of like a threat. Dear yeah. Aaron, please get me these books. I need them by Saturday. Sorry for your loss in advance. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, when you say it like that, it sounds like a threat. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's similar to signing off Memento Mori. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it also works because the conversation they have is about sort of like GA thinks the deaths of the lesai are preemptive consequences of the game Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and so the the phrase preemptive consequence right is sort of that same like i'm sorry for your loss in advance Mm -hmm. after this conversation Vriska goes downstairs to check on her lucis and uh she passes a doomsday device she has built that is hanging on a chasm wall outside her house and um it's based on an attack from problem sleuth and uh, one of the comments she makes as she walks down the stairs to her Lucis is, uh, you wonder if any other kid on the planet has such a high maintenance Lucis or Lucis. You doubt it. Um, and we're just going to file that away for later. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, we move as, past the problematic doomsday device. As uh, and, and we get Vriska in hero mode as she comes face to face with Spider-Mom. Who is Spider-Mom. absolutely enormous. Spider-Mom. She big. Yeah. I like. She big. She spider. I love spiders. 
This is, listen, as as much as I dislike the fact that Vriska is spider-themed and not scorpion-themed, I fucking love me a big old spider, and boy, howdy, that's a big old spider, and I think she's pretty. Oh, huh. I never noticed this before. Uh, Spider-Mom's, uh, like, lower fang things are um, asymmetrical and, like, half of... Oh, oh they like match Vriska's horns. horns. Yeah. Well, they oh. sort of do. One of the, them the has, like, the, has. like... Um, the bar, but the like yeah. moon isn't mirrored, which is interesting. Sure. Yeah. There was a there was a thing that I did want to say because I did look up a thing about scorpions and spiders because I wanted to see how closely uh-huh. related they were, and uh, they do not share a class, but they share a phylum and a subphylum. That subphylum being Caliceratus, uh-huh. which is uh, a combination of the Greek words of horns and. Fangs, I believe. Was it claws? Horns and claws. You're correct. So, which I, I don't know. I just thought that was appropriate with, you know, Homestuck yeah. being Homestuck. I was trying to come up with a clitoris joke and it wasn't coming <laughs> to me. Jesus Christ. Damn. God damn it. <laughs> the irony of you of all people. <laughs> uh, I love you. Uh, I, I love, love you, you very too. much. Yeah, that's why I couldn't come up with a good joke about it. Because <laughs> your boy gay. Yeah, that's why. That's yeah. why. Uh, Anyways. Uh, we then see that this doomsday device is hanging ominously above Spider-Mom in between two houses. Seems and like then, bad city planning, but all yeah. right. Well, I mean, when all this. When you don't, when you don't have any city. adults on the planet and... Uh, Really, this is a city designed by children. This is a city designed by children. This is Sim and City. It's a, it's edition. a series of loosely connected homes designed by children. Hives. Hives. And then we go to see Vriska's neighbor. Fuck, fuck you. Uh, <laughs> all right, I'm leaving the podcast. This is the this second is time I've subjected you to this joke because we have to re-record this episode. So while we're in the neighborhood, let's meet the worst character in Homestuck. He's very we bad. He's, fuck this guy. I absolutely hate him. He sucks. Which, he sucks. Like, everybody hates him, including the narrative. Like, the, Which, like, the narration... Fair. The narration is also like, God, do we have to talk about this guy? And and for those of you who haven't read Homestuck, you you're like thinking we're underreacting. We are not. We are not. Equius Zahak is a troll who loves being strong. He is our Sagittarius troll and has indigo blood. And uh he has horse porn on his walls. And lots of like it. they are it is furry horse porn this is not a joke it is there <laughs> it is lightly joke. pixelated which does make it worse <laughs> sure yeah. does yeah yeah my note just says equius the hawk i hate you implicitly yeah that's all equius is like his his main character trait is that he's strong he loves being strong his strength is like a joke though like he can't control his own strength, and uh, he builds robots to beat up. To get stronger. Yeah. Metal Gear. He wants to be able to use a bow and arrow, but every time he pulls it back, he snaps the bow in half because he's so strong. Yeah. Like, that's sort of Equius. Very, very gym bro vibes. Um, yeah. Like, yeah. Do the, like, tank top. 
Yeah. He wears eyeshadow. Is that eyeshadow? Yeah. Oh. It's like I thought he had like shadow. weird sunglasses on. Maybe he has like I mean, he two also black has eyes. Weird sunglasses. Um, uh, one of his horns is like snapped off. Yeah. He's this, gross and I don't like fuck him. Fuck this man. Also, the fucking uh, the fantasy blood racist. Classic. He's in fact a fantasy blood racist. Yeah. So I guess it's time to talk about the hemo spectrum, guys. Yeah. Mm, all right. Blood so, colors. Forewarning. Sometimes Homestuck is bad. <laughs> so this has been alluded to through Hive Vent so far as that different trolls have different color blood. And the closer to blue you are, or purple, I guess, because Gamzee's technically the highest of the land dwellers. Um, the closer to that purple you are, the the higher up you are on this class system. And so Aradia is at the bottom with like rust blood. And then you got Tavros who has, what's the color that's given? Bronze. Solix with gold. And then Karkat, who we don't know his blood color, but he's there. Um, Nipeta. They, uh, they are ranked on um, Terezi. Yeah, it's it's yeah. it is the order they appear in Trollian, and also it is the like zodiac order as well. Yes, it is the zodiac order. Yeah, because as you said last time, Ares is the first of the zodiac. He's true, right? There is room for commentary here, like as like there could have been a good commentary on like race and class in this portion, but instead, what happens? And these are like sort of minor spoilers, so plug your use if you care we will later find out that the higher on the hierarchy you are the longer lifespan you have biologically and the fewer like people there are like the higher rarity the blood is um meaning that uh the rust bloods are there are a whole lot of them and they die very quickly and the fuchsia bloods there are only two of at one time and they live very very long lives the lower bloods are the ones that get the psychic powers and do like the, they do the labor. Uh, yeah. I mean, it tries to be interesting and it like try it's It feels like it wants to be sort of a right. critique, but I think by, uh, it, right. Like you said, by conflating, uh, like this biological thing with, right class and then like it can't really decide if it wants to be about class or if it wants to be about race and it like right really weakens any critique on either side that it's trying to make to the point of being unrecognizable as a critique even yeah yeah well and you would think being called the hemo spectrum that there's actually like a spectrum there the spectrum implies that there is like any point on the line right there are 12 points on this line and if you play hive swap friend sim for example every troll you meet is going to be one of these 12 colors which not a spectrum right i think also though like bringing up hive swap which yeah like hive swap does a better job of that critique because it has more than one character in each group which is another way that homestuck like it's because there's only one representative of each group Oh, like, right. Yes. It, it, like, they all flatten down quite a lot. Um, which, right. 
like they they get a little bit more space to breathe in hive swap which yeah helps somewhat but like I, it, the world building is bad and like not super salvageable i, I do think but, to some extent yeah, though all of the trolls in hive swap are based off of these 12 trolls that we get in Homestuck, right? Like in High Swap, all of the purple bloods are carnival like cultists because Gansey is. What are we talking one. about right now? The, the Homestuck, Homestuck video games. Canon Homestuck video games okay. that are set on Alternia. <laughs> okay. Yep. Um, These are things I we'll don't know. We'll get to them later, but like Maybe. they're irrelevant here for this conversation. Yeah. Blood racism. Blood it's racism. Not great. It's real here and backed up by biology, a thing that real racism is racism is not. not. And so yeah. it it's a bad it's a bad racism. And and, and Equius is, is one. Yeah, Equius is like super caught up in the blood hierarchy and it's Which like Oh, it's a lot. It makes a lot of sense because Equius is a person very high up on this hierarchy and thus has like legitimate cause to be invested in its legitimacy right Mm -hmm. meanwhile car cat not telling anyone what color his blood is he's super mad about it if you ask yeah Um, indeed equius's lucis is oh arthur who is a reference to a previous Andrew Hussey project called Humanimals, um, which involved human-animal fusions uh, interacting with each other. They were all men, and a lot of them have udders, and it's hmm. weird and sexual. Also, should note the uh, horse porn on Equius's walls are also a reference to a former Andrew Hussey project where they reviewed uh, furry fetish art. What a storied past Andrew Hussey has. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Um, they get up to some interesting shit, huh? Yeah. Arthur provides Equius with a glass of milk, presumably from, from Arthur. Him. Yeah. But Arthur is also a butler. Uh, yeah. And you cannot hope to beat him in a butler off. He's simply the best there is. He's also I, I made I made mention of this last time, but just like he's he's notably like he bruises very easily. So he's like not and he's not big or strong or like ferocious like some of the other Lusai that we've seen before. So it's kind of interesting to see that like Equis is compensating in a lot of ways. And I don't know if this is necessarily one of them, but it's definitely a visual narrative that's there of him trying to be big strong and powerful right yeah with this like very sort of weak genteel critter that's on the other hand like arthur's like human half is an extraordinarily buff man and also like we do get like a little bit of text that indicates that like this is trying to be a like uh equius beating up the tough guy like um the, the truth is you're really strong because you're kind of a freak. You were chosen by one of the strongest Lucis species on the planet. It was the only sort of custodian that could handle raising you, which like doesn't come across visually at all. Like, oh, yeah, no. but is the kind of weird, like alternate effect that like, I don't know, maybe, 
but but also the thing too is right like Equius is in to homestuck the equivalent of like the kid who hit puberty in eighth grade right and doesn't know what to do with like all the new things happening to their body right like Equius's strength is not so much like a useful item as it is used for like comical effect because he doesn't know how to control it and he just keeps breaking shit yeah like he tries to drink a glass of milk and shatters the glass right like i don't think arthur is weak i think that is like his bruise is like equius can't control his strength right that's fair i think also right like on a more like narrative level like equius narratively functions by being like deeply uncomfortable for the reader and by being like sexual in a way that is like fetishistic like deeply some sexual shame he's got some like yeah oh yeah he's repressed as fuck vibes but like oh yeah deeply uh unhealthy ones um and so like he's horny and all the bruising easily right is a like let's make the reader very uncomfortable by making it yeah. look like the uh, domestic abuse right right oh yeah sure yeah and, and that's the thing too is like akin to an eighth grader who's hit puberty equius is aroused by everything uh mm, yes he is so into his racism that oh, he yeah. gets aroused when someone higher on the hemo spectrum tells him what to do as we see in as a conversation with Gamzee, we're about to get to he gets off when he tells someone lower on the hemo spectrum what to do. He also gets off when someone lower on the hemo spectrum breaks rank and tells him what to do. And while it's not always shown that he's aroused, thank God, mm-hmm. um, he sweats a lot, which is like the the other thing that is sort of an indicator of his arousal. He always needs fresh towels around because he's sweating so much, which also, again, person who hit puberty, right? Like, that is sort of my read on Equius. He's horny, strong, and terrible. He's horny, strong, and terrible. And racist. And racist. Yeah, anyways. That yes, fits he... in with the terribleness. He has a conversation with Nepeta, which is interesting in the context of what we just said, because those indicators are not there, right? Like, this is him. Uh, it feels like telling Nepeta, who's lower on the hemospectrum than him, what to do. And, like, those like weird sexual indicators are not like this this is a relationship between platonic uh, friends like it almost feels like an older more like equals than like either of them wants to admit especially because we've seen this from like nepeta's side where the vibe was very much like oh hold on i gotta talk to this guy and it's it's framed in a very like he doesn't really have any friends and I want to like reach out to him and be helpful for, so from like both of their perspectives, they're, they're doing what they think is like the right yeah. thing to do. It, it should also be noted, right? Like this is the guy that everyone else despises. Oh yeah. Carcat right. said the one guy who's more of an asshole than I am. Yeah. So like, not wait, wrong. Yeah. Not wrong. And is like the beacon of sunshine. Like, I love yeah. It flowers and happy roleplay bullshit i do complain a lot about the troll that i get stuck with as an aquarius thank god it's not equius 
Um, while we're here, Sam, do you have any quick like Zodiac notes? I know we didn't do a full segment for Briska, but like oh. on either of these two trolls, do you have anything? Yeah, I mean, so uh, I will quick say the thing. Scorpio in the Zodiac, if you know anything, if, if you're a casual fan of the Zodiac, <laughs> you've definitely seen all of the memes about how the Scorpio is the villain of the Zodiac. And that's not wrong. Uh, the, the, the vibe that is kind of given is like, Scorpios, they like to fuck with things sometimes. Like they, uh, I'll, I'll just read the little blurb. Um, they love debates. They aren't afraid of controversy. They won't back down from a debate. Uh, they hate people who aren't genuine. They're all about being authentic, even if authentic mm. isn't pretty. Like, they don't give a shit. They will do what they want. Um, right. So th that's sort of how they've gotten their, like, persona. And Vriska actually kind of does fit that decently well. Like, she, she will fuck with people because that's what she likes to do. Um, Sagittarius, on the other hand... They are described as being independent and strong-willed. Uh, their personalities are about going off the beaten path. They're not afraid to step away from the pack. They're natural-born leaders. They're born adventurers. They'll do what they want, regardless of what other people think, which is not at all Equius. Equius is so right. dependent on defining himself against the other people and the people around him. So Vriska vaguely fits into the Zodiac, but Equius, like a lot of the others here, not so much, which right. is interesting eyebrow wiggles hmm. and he's got the horse he's got the bow and arrow he's I think got I the horse he's got I the think bow we and arrow. said in the past right like the troll personalities do not map onto the zodiac oh, personalities they but they are inspired by the things around specific zodiac uh homestuck relates to the zodiac in the same way that neon genesis evangelion relates to christian mythology right and aesthetics yes right uh, Equius then has a conversation with Gamzee, which is the only time I've been thankful for Gamzee's typing quirk in the entire comic. This conversation yeah. is hard to read because their colors are so similar to each other. It is very difficult. Which, like, yep. is interesting because if you think about a normal book, usually the text is all the same color. Yeah, but usually there's quotation marks to tell you when someone's talking. <laughs> and, like, paragraph breaks. Yeah. I mean, I guess there are paragraph breaks here, but, like, people can be speaking for more than one paragraph at a time, right? Yeah. Um, yeah this is the conversation that just made me write degradation kink question yeah. mark in my notes. And and this is, a, this is a good thing, too, right? Like, while I hate Equius, the character interactions he has are very interesting and very, mm -hmm. like, intriguing to get into what is going on here. So in this conversation, Equius uh, orders Gamzee to get sober uh, in a way that's like, you will do this. And Gamzee's like, whoa, I will? How do you know that, dude? <laughs> It's a bad stoner voice. Um, Whoa, bro, and by, by get sober, we mean stop drinking the um, bed cocoon slime. And the Fago. And the Fago. And the Fago. Equius is then like, uh, yeah, wait, I'm so bad. I shouldn't. I'm sorry that uh, I told you to do something. You know, I can't tell you what to do because you're better than me. Now, can you tell me to do some things, please? And Gamzee, like, tries, but he doesn't really know what's going on. And yeah. And he's like, uh, stay away from the ocean. And Equius, who's never lived near the ocean, is like, yeah, I'll do that. 
It's also it's it's also funny because Gamzee is like, oh, like role playing, and Equius, mm. who we know from his conversation with Nepeta, doesn't like role playing, no. but does it for Nepeta. Is like, if that's what makes it better for you. Yeah. We also find out in this conversation, um, Equius has a crush on Aradia, which he also hates himself for because she has the lowest possible blood. Um. Oh, oh, there's a point where, where uh, after Equius is, like, talking down about himself, where uh, Gamzee's like, oh, shit, bro. I don't want to be all, like, to disappoint you. What can I do to make a brother fucking shape his shit up? If I could make you smile, it'd be the best fucking miracle I ever did part of. Honk, honk, honk. <laughs> um, I love Gamzee. <laughs> he's a fun juggalo troll. That's really all there is to Gamzee. He's a good guy. Equius also... Um, speaks uh by replacing his x's with percent signs um yes and it's interesting because like he does have to explain that to gamzee in this conversation he explains it uh when he uses it as the word cross right like so he he says uh someone should be percent sign about this and everyone's like uh what is that and he's like cross and it's like oh okay that makes sense but when he's using it to replace the letter x it's easier to read yeah, and Gamzee's like, yeah, I don't care about the hemospectrum shit, whatever. Um, Equius talks with Vriska, and they have a conversation about how they're both going to usurp Aradia and be co-leaders of the blue team, because they are the high bloods. Well, except for Gamzee, but Gamzee's not much of a leader or a schemer. Yeah. They mentioned the gift for Aradia, right? Yes. Yeah. Yep. We get further confirmation of Equius's uh, crush on Aradia. We get the, um, like, Vriska, like, wants to know if her gift for Aradia is done. And Equius is like, yeah, yeah my gift for Aradia is done. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah, I'm sure these two won't try to backstab each other at yeah, all. Yeah, absolutely They definitely not. work well together. <laughs> Which, like, also, like, what on earth kind of claim does Vriska have to this gift? Because, like... Equius is the robotics guy. Like, yeah, he's the he one. He made her arm. Well, you know, Aradia wouldn't need it if uh, Riska hadn't killed her. Stop. So, <laughs> so really, Riska's so helpful here uh, because she killed Aradia. <laughs> um, we find yep. out Equius also made uh, Riska's robot arm, and then a callback to uh, Dave waking up Jade uh, with her. Robo Jade. Uh, Equius uh, makes Riska's robotic arm slap herself in the face. We then go see and find out that this gift for Aradia is, in fact, a robot soul bot for Aradia. Which he then tries to kiss. Which he tries to kiss, and he is filled with his own blood. Right. Yeah. As a weird race yep. blood purity thing. He's like, I'm going to make my crush justifiable by giving her the right blood, which is... Anyways, so he tries to make out with a robot and then gets self-conscious about it and blows up one of the other robots that's just sort of sitting there not working because it's a robot. And he throws it out of his house and it explodes. He it punches it out of his house. Yeah. And it robots. Actually, the sound effect is example. So he examples it out of his house. He examples it out of his house, and then it robo-splodes. And then it robo-splodes, which then uh, the head of it lands on the doomsday device in between Equius and Vriska's house, 
Um, oh God! Which uh, then links to work. the yeah. the problem sleuth page where the cadenative doomsday dice cascader is, which is a very good page if you haven't uh, clicked through to it, um, because like the way that this device works is the uh, middle bubble you pop first. It's got like a d6 in it, and whatever you roll mm-hmm. uh, on that die. Um, the ne- the next bubble, which has a d6 in it to start with, gets uh, the number of sides gets multiplied by whatever the first d6 rolls. So like you roll a three, and then it's like three times six, uh, and then you roll that new die, whatever that lands on, multiplies the next die, multiplies the next die, okay. multiplies the, so like by the end, it's you have a like, nerdy ass doomsday device. Yeah, you, you have like like ten to like the like. 10 to the thousand something like possible numbers that it can roll for like the final damage. And then the joke and problem sleuth is that it, it still rolls a one. Ah, uh, yeah. And the joke here is that it, it just breaks. Yeah. So, yeah. It doesn't work. It breaks, it falls and it explodes. And then it causes rocks to fall on spider mom. And Arthur falls out a hole in the, in Ecrius's hive. So, yep, there goes the, go the last eye. Just before that, we find out, uh, or we have a conversation between Vriska and Terezi. Which, like, oh, Vriska and Terezi. The, the axis around which Homestuck revolves, according to Hussey themselves. If, if you're going to understand one relationship in Homestuck, uh, make it this one. We've already sort of seen and, and will see through the end of this section how... Yeah. Vriska and Terezi, like revenge and interaction, is sort of what is driving the the story of Hivevent, and they don't stop with that as Homestuck continues. Yeah, this is where we kind of learned about like their truce, and apparently they they had made a truce. Uh, one of them is like, oh yeah, about, we're gonna be playing a game together. But their truce was not about not playing games together. It was about not backstabbing each other all the goddamn time. Because apparently these, it, which fully tracks, they were like locked in a lovely stage of constantly getting revenge on each other, as the cycle of revenge is wont to do, given Vriska's need to get back at people and Terezi's need for justice. Yeah. In this conversation, we find out uh, Vriska blinded Terezi. Uh, and Vriska has that, that classic line of like, it's not like I even did anything that bad to you. I lost seven eyes, but you only lost two. I would say you came out ahead in a bargain, which like is such a line trying to justify the way you've been acting. Like, like this oh, yeah. is such a bullshit right. argument. Also, also right, you can tell by the way that Vriska has... Um, interpreted their truce to mean not playing games which yeah. member of this uh truce really understands why this has happened um briska's oh, yeah. like argument about the eyes is also like brings to mind the like um parallel of like the rich man and like the poor woman like who gave more mm. right Where it's, oh like, yeah yeah, like you lost seven eyes, but like Trezzy only had two eyes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Proportionally, who who lost more? 
also the like the way Terezi refutes her argument is not by being like, oh no, you're right, or being like, no, you're wrong. Is it is by thanking Vriska for blinding her. Right? Terezi's like, I never got the chance to say thank you. And Vriska's like, stop being sarcastic. And Terezi's like, no, I'm serious. Like, thank you for blinding me. Right? Like that is a surefire way to get under Vriska's skin. Mm. And right, we so we've we've talked about like how to get under Vriska's skin, right? So Vriska can't stand neutrality, right? Like you have to feel things towards Vriska. She doesn't really care if you hate her or you love her. She, I think, rather that you love her. But like, if you hate her, that also works. But like, if you like, which I, I think we've seen in a conversation with Aradia. Where like yeah. Aradia's like uh post death not giving like, Vriska anything to work with, yeah. Demeanor yeah. really, really drives Vriska up the wall. So we see in this conversation, Trezzi's responses are meh, I dunno, I doubt it. Like and it yeah. just keeps yeah. amping Vriska up and up and up as she's like, Come on, just give me something to work with here. Yeah. It's also worth noting that that is the point of Riska as a character and certainly the way the fandom reacted as well is like Riska oh, is a yeah. character that people oh, love to hate. Yeah. Well, no, no, no. But like from a fandom perspective, Riska is the character that is the most divisive in Homestuck because you have the people who are saying Riska did nothing wrong. And the people who spent a hundred dollars to have Justin McRoy say as taco, Riska did nothing wrong. And on the other hand, you have the people who are like, Riska did everything wrong. Riska was emotionally manipulative and abusive to characters in these wise. She was violent. And and the thing too is, right, like it is not helped by Alternian society, right? Like Riska mm -hmm. is justified in killing Aradia and paralyzing Tavros because they are lower on the hemo spectrum. And like, you know, Vriska has this abusive spider mom who needs to eat young trolls and that's traumatizing for Vriska, right? Like you can see how there are the Vriska stands out there who justify anything she does because it can be justified. And sure. so until recently I was on the Vriska did some things wrong boat, but more I've left that behind. Now I'm in a, like a, Vriska is a very good character as characters go. Not morally, oh, yeah. but because she is a storytelling piece. Oh, yeah, yeah. And the way she, that she moves in a... this story is very interesting. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. she needs to be relevant. The story gives you everything you need to convict and to exonerate Vriska, and it does it intentionally and it does it well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And in this conversation, right, Vriska even, like, projects on Terezi a little bit. Like, she's like, because even though you've got all these highfalutin morals and fancy reservations, you know as well as me that a killer is a killer is a killer. There ain't no change in your ways for good, and one day you're going to flail on that silly little cane of yours and not find nothing to bump into and fall face first into this shit again. And you're going to do something terrible to somebody and wish you could take it back, but you can't. And the entire time, like, those eights are popping up. Yep. In not every word, but like in a lot of them, to the point where it's like, oh, right. you can tell. Frisk is the, the last time. Yeah, the bugged. last time it comes up is you'll try and you'll try and you'll try, and that last try has the Y replaced with an eight, which is not a place it normally would go if Frisco was oh, calm. In, but because Frisco is getting worked up, in a lot of places in this whole right, like yeah. it replaces eyes, it replaces like it replaces yeah. anything. My my note here just says Frisco's tell is lovely. Yep, it's it's very good. 
Uh, this conversation ends with a mirror of the like John Jade. Whoa, there was an explosion outside my house. I do love this bit. <laughs> sounds like there was an explosion and then another one. And now it sounds like there's an avalanche. Well, if I had to guess, I would say it was probably two explosions and then an avalanche, <laughs> which is fucking funny. <laughs> Terezi is my favorite. Oh, nice, nice, nice. Oh. <laughs> oh, amazing. And then we get our flashback sequence here. Which is, this is just post the last flashback um, where Tavros got jumped off a cliff. Aradia and Terezi are talking about what to do now, about how to get revenge or whatnot, like what do we do? And Terezi's pretty much like, I got this. I can handle this. Don't worry about it. And this is um, alive Aradia still with emotions and things. Yes. Yes, Aradia is not dead yet. I wonder what's about to happen. Uh-oh. We get to see Aradia's hive uh, back when it's built. She's got some like Indiana Jones posters on her walls, and we get to see Goat Mom, Goat Dad. We get to see Aradia's. It's not Goat Dad because that's Gamzee's. We see Aradia's Ram Dad, Ram Mom, Ram Parent. It's a very cute. That's right. It's, it's a cute. whole Ram family. It's cute. It's so cute. Um, <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> Sorry, what did you say? I missed it. The whole Ram family. <laughs> As in the whole damn family. No, I got that. Yeah, yeah thanks. Okay. <laughs> you, didn't me, you didn't need to explain that. I did get that one, yeah. All right, you were just staring at me like no, 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 But, it's, but it's, it, it's funny because Ram sounds like you see when Ram. Ram sounds, exactly. Yeah, no. Wait. Oh, okay. Oh, I get yeah, it. I get yeah, it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Wait, wait, wait. Um, I'm sorry. Did you want me to explain the joke like a little bit more? Wait, just for no. The podcast? Wait, 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 wait. But listen. But it's funny because Ram sounds like damn, like D A M N, like yeah, a curse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. Okay, yeah. Okay. 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 <laughs> I hate us. I hate us. <laughs> when James and I were living together, like I would say a joke and just get no reaction from him, and then proceed to explain the joke, oh, and yeah. then we would get like it was just a thing we did oh yeah my, it's my like, brother that joke wasn't that, that funny and then it's we would amazing. explain it yeah, and then yeah. we would laugh yeah see it's funny because <laughs> see it's funny because explaining the joke isn't actually always funny and it oftentimes <laughs> it makes it less funny to explain the joke after you've said the joke and it was very good uh <laughs> anyways the voices of the recently deceased urge aradia to uh take matters into her own hands and so aradia uh, gets the to command make to pay. make her pay. Uh, and Aradia summons the spirits of the dead trolls who Vriska's fed to Spider Mom to torment Vriska. It seems to be fairly effective. Like, Vriska yeah. goes down into like a fetal position pretty Many quick. Ghosts. Then is messaged by Doc Scratch once again. Who's <laughs> like, hey, are you gonna kill her or what? He does it subtler yeah. than that. Like, obviously. Doc Scratch, like, really like shows off the chops as the like master manipulator right because it's like very much like he's putting words to like vriska's like worst impulses like he's not saying anything that vriska isn't already thinking he's just pushing it a little further right and and that's the he he what's the thing he says um i didn't talk you into anything nor am I doing so now. You were and are going to do this regardless. 
I only ever place myself into positions of tangential involvement with events that will bring about my employer's entry into this universe. I oversee the events as they take place, and ever so slightly nudge them into motion when necessary. Which, like, that's him. Love it when the bad guy lays out their MO. Like, that, that's his whole thing, yep. That's his thing. Which, like, it's interesting, because, like, the next line he says is, like, it's sort of a banger of a line. The omniscient have no need for beliefs and no room for delusion. It's yeah. very good. Uh, it's good. very good. Which is good, but like maybe a little bit ironic because like right. we already know there are pockets uh, to this yeah. omniscience, which <laughs> like he's nearly omniscient. Nearly omniscient. Uh, but he's only mostly dead. <laughs> you know what they say about close? It only counts in the uh, horseshoes and hand grenades. This is not a phrase I know. But it does make the Fallout Boy song's title make a little more sense. Uh, <laughs> He's fucking cool. I like him. The last line? Cool. Maybe you're a person with free will, and you won't kill your friend. Like, he's just here to twist the knife. Oh, absolutely. Like, And, like, he's also, like, an embodiment of one of the themes that we've been talking about since, like, the beginning of the podcast, which is, like, oh, yeah. Doc Scratch is, Agency. like, fully sort of like implicit in his claims to omniscience are claims to I'm trying to think of the word it's not quite predestination but like an an idea yeah. of like there fate there is yeah a a predestined course to which events will follow and your actions are going to follow that path regardless of the illusion of your choice right uh, so Riska messages Aradia and is like, hey, your boyfriend's outside. And uh, it turns out Riska has used her mind control on Solix. And then uh, we get the line, Arrivederci, Medigado. And um, Riska mind controls Solix into killing Aradia with his eye beams. Right. He's got a glass of like the mind honey in his hand. Um, and his glasses off in the other hand like these are like again like very visually striking panels um, oh yeah. yeah it's a little harrowing especially the one of Aradia looking up as the red and blue light flashes Feed on her face yeah yeah Ugh. this is where this is where Bastion wanted to end the episode and I said no let's not end the episode in a flashback um, but it it is a great cutoff space and it is where the uh let's read homestuck cuts off in that section there's a lot of but drama we're there. not them but we're not them and sam made some very convincing points about uh including this last little bit um which is that we're being introduced to doc scratch here which is like the doc scratch bit is what we have read thus far is all of the ways doc scratch has meddled right in hive bent yeah. Mm-hmm. And now here he is. And now here he is, the cue ball motherfucker himself. Yes. So, Doc Scratch is the cue ball of the Felt Gang. Here's our intermission tie-in. Um, he is the officer of an indestructible demon known as Lord English, which we know to be the name of the Felt's mob boss. And um, also the demon that is going to get drawn into the world. Yep. 
But it was already the, here, question mark. The O in Lord English is uh, GIF of flashing through all the different pool balls, similar to how the um, the server, the server mm-hmm. had that on it. Um, I'm just going to read the page here because there's yeah. some important exposition here. Scratch's job is to pave the way for the arrival of his master, Lord English, who will be summoned upon the termination of the universe. He has worked at this task for many centuries and will continue to do so until the great undoing. Scratch is Alternia's first guardian. Every planet destined for intelligent life has such an entity meant to protect it and facilitate the planet's ultimate purpose. A first guardian is typically almost as old as the planet itself, and each has a unique circuitous origin through the knots of paradox space. They can be born into a great diversity of forms, though they all share a common, especially potent genetic sequence. The code grants them near omnipotence, and when merged with a host of great intelligence, near omniscience as well. We, of course, cannot tell Doc Scratch what to do because he is a guardian, and all guardians in Homestuck, be they first guardians or uh, Lucy or the kid's parents are not available to be commanded what to do. We should also note that Doc Scratch, as he stands in his green apartment, is flashing with uh, green and yellow electricity, similar to Beck Jade's dog, who we can presume is the first guardian of Earth. Uh Especially given the um, circuitous origins through paradox space and the, the potent genetic sequence and the nearly as old as the planet. Um, Interestingly, uh, this is another place um, where we get information that is beyond the scope of Homestuck by learning that all planets destined for intelligent life get a first guardian, and all first guardians uh, have a origin in paradox space, therefore implying that all planets for intelligent life play the game. Yeah. Well, all right. Wortman makes a really good point that introducing Scratch this close to Vriska does a really good job of taking the edge off of Vriska, where like Vriska to this point has killed one character and maimed another and really is set up to be, if not a big bad, a serious bad for the Hive Bent arc. And introducing Scratch immediately makes it like, Mm, okay, Briska's bad, but she's not. She's not this as guy. bad as this asshole. Yeah. Like, yeah. and like, also, Doc Scratch is one of Briska's first exonerations, where like, Doc Scratch is up mm. in her head, and right, Briska right, is manipulating is, her, is being puppeted. There's an argument to be made that Briska isn't responsible for what she's done mm. because of his involvement. It's not a bulletproof argument because no. that would be bad for discourse. <laughs> right. Uh, also, his use of white as his text color is interesting. Um, it sort of puts him above the hemo spectrum or like outside of it in a way that Carcat is, where like it's not colored, um, and it and it's almost like he's pure. You know, it's not like he's transparent. Like he is transparent about his motives, but like he's not quite telling you all the truth. Like just because he only tells the truth does not mean he is is incapable of lying. Right. Like he doc scratch can tell lies of a mission in order to manipulate people to doing what he wants. Also, it makes him a smug, uh, manipulative asshole. Like it (laughs) it, it does a good job portraying him as that too. 
Yeah, right? it's both. Also, it's interesting because it is physically harder to read. Like all of the typing quirks are harder to read to varying degrees. Some more, some less. This is like physically difficult to read. To to read his text, you actually have to perform additional movement on the page, which brings me back to something I think I brought up in like the early podcast, which is um, the concept of ergodic literature, which is, um, to go over it again, it comes from the Greek words ergon, meaning work, and hodos, meaning path which um, is this idea about literature that requires additional work to interpret. So like Mm -hmm. um, I I brought it up in the past in uh, regards to like the flash game where you have to like actually navigate a space and interact with it that way. Like just clicking through the links is um, cybertext and then, Ergodic literature is sort of a subcategory underneath cybertext fiction where, mm-hmm. um, and I'm not sure that this entirely counts because the Wikipedia page is kind of hard to understand, but I, I feel like it fits like the spirit of the context where it's like, yeah. you have to do an additional step and it's used here to make scratch more annoying, right? Yes. Like it makes the reader dislike them more because he's he's asking you to do more work to even get the privilege of seeing what he's saying it's cool at the same time you absolutely want to know what he's saying Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. Um, because he's mr big badass with those fabulous one-liners like you don't want to miss that right it's also interesting right like jack is a villain and, and, you know, like, as Hussey has said in the commentary and, and we have touched on, the villains of Homestuck are closer to, like, the metal level of the comic. And Jack is, is a villain who can be commanded. Doc Scratch is a villain who cannot be commanded, right? And so there is a bit of a level of, of sort of tension with the text there is, like, we as readers just have to watch and see what he does, right? Hmm. And what he does in his green apartment on the green moon of Alternia is uh, get a message from Terezi through his typewriter. Which I, I love. I love the idea of just a fucking typewriter getting like an AOL chat. You up? <laughs> ASL? <laughs> yeah. So Terezi pops up and is like, hey, bitch, guess what? I got things to tell you, but hold on for a second. Like she fully puts... She messages him, you up, and then she puts him on red while she real quick goes over yeah. to, I'm sure if there's well, more you want to say to this yeah. chat, but. This this conversation, right, is, is Terezi is trying to tell him something and mm-hmm. he's like, oh, I'm going to be snide at you, right? Like there's the mm-hmm. whole like, I'm not going to tell you my name, but if you want, you can call me Mr. Vanilla Milkshake. And she's like you're so weird. Why would I do that? And he says, it is perfectly in keeping with a habit you will develop in the future. And it's like, okay, asshole. Sm- like, yeah, this guy's being smug. Cause oh, you're going to be blind soon. Yeah. This is a fully like nothing conversation. Yeah. Up until she's like, Hey, you know how Vriska keeps getting closer to beating you. Isn't that weird for someone with omniscience? Yeah, we also get the classic sort of like lie, Doc Scratch lie of omission here, which is the like, Yes, I said you believe Aradia is dead, and soon you will believe she is not. 
both statements are true, and yet each exhibits a trace of falsehood. Which, like, From yeah. a certain point of view. Yeah. It's like, say, like, he's like, wait, is she not dead? And he's like, define death, right? Yeah. I it's like, you even a little bit. There is a spider right above my head right now. It was meant Uh-oh. to be. Uh, <clears throat> make her pay. Boo, do, do, do. <laughs> Anyways. Uh, but yeah, so uh, Terezi has this lovely conversation where she's like, yeah, aren't you interested in finding out? Actually, hold on. I got to talk to somebody. And then she reaches out to Vriska and is like, hey, you got anything to fucking say for yourself? Because, which I which I kind of dig, because Terezi and Vriska have kind of been, like, they, they, you know, were on a team together and whatnot. But, like, Terezi may be, like, blind justice, all this jazz, like, just doing whatever she wants. The verdict doesn't matter. But she does believe in a kind of fairness. Right. And she will, like fight for that and stick up for that and and find her ways to make justice right which is like kind of cool well and and this conversation is so important because Terezi is looking for any sign of remorse from Vriska Mm -hmm. to not go through with what she is about to do because she is fully expecting Vriska Vriska is going to die yeah so it's intense it's interesting, right? Now I'm now I'm seeing everything through this lens of like the narrative trying to make Friska as controversial as possible, right? Like mm-hmm. Trezzy looking for like the fact that an apology would serve for what Friska's done at this point, right? Like, re- like can go either direction beautifully, yeah. Right, like, like it can be like, well, like an apology covering for a maiming and murdering means that like there's a different context at play here and what brisk has done really isn't like as serious as we would understand it to be and on the other hand briska doesn't apologize and like doesn't show any like remorse in an open way anyway yeah and and terezi goads briska into consulting her like advantage uh, for the answers, because Riska's like, you're bluffing. And Terezi's like, I mean, yeah, but Bet. we both know you're going to figure out if I'm bluffing or not. Um, and and this, right, this too is an illustration of how, like, Terezi and Riska are both good at manipulating people. And this mm-hmm. is, like, the illustration of how they are different at it. Because Riska can force people to do what she wants just through sheer force of will and also because she has mind powers that do that. And Terezi is very good at getting into people's heads and thinking about what they are going to do. Briska is very good at winding people up and Terezi is very good at putting herself in situations where what people were already going to do benefits her. So we see in the past Briska has a cue ball, a magic cue ball, similar to the one that Jade had. Uh, which we have been told is very precise in its predictions, but lacks a, an oracle on which, uh, through which you can see its predictions. A portal? Uh, however, orifice? Orifice, thank you. A oh, portal. I thought that was just like a cool term. And I mean, an oracle is a thing, but it's not that. Yeah. All right, fine. Uh, let's see. Priska. Uh, this is an extremely rare treasure Riska recently plundered from an ancient crypt and one of many rumored to be hidden across the globe. Each at one time belongs to the strange and powerful man fabled to live on the green moon, but have since escaped his vision. 
Uh, Riska has her vision eightfold, which allows her to see through uh, the surface of the sphere. And the first question she asks is, should be, she be worried about Terezi's threat? And the cue ball says, yes. And then the prompt is, Terezi, inform Mr. Vanilla Milkshake about his missing orb. And the next panel is just... She sh- has what? And it's a shaking gif. We're going through space. There's green and yellow lightning. The text is shaking physically. It's phenomenal. Right. And Doc Scratch, who like we have only ever seen hands behind his back, ramrod posture, oh, is yeah. hunched over, hands in like a like orchestra conductor, like and like just like it like conveys like this like raw emotion of like surprise and rage that like really comes across in this panel yeah it's very good and i like it a lot we cut back to vriska whose question is now being asked in the narrative prompt as opposed to any sort of dialogue. Um, She says, okay, little ball, fine. If you're so smart, then answer this. How's it going to happen? How? Uh, And the answer the ball gives is, I will explode in your face. And then it does. And then it does. So that's how Brisco lost her eye and her arm. Yep. In the page uh, where we see it happen, there's some sort of like white zappy thing behind Vriska. You're not going to be able to see it in the browser. Um, We cut on this back to the present uh, where Equius and Vriska are mourning uh, their dead Lusai or Lusai, or rather Spider-Mom is not quite dead and Vriska uh, is going to roll the dice to uh, put her down. And uh, there's an interesting uh, line here on Vriska's sort of like luck journey because Vriska has bad luck so far, right? Even if it's like self-inflicted, Vriska believes she has bad luck. Mm-hmm. And the the question is, uh, would a sufficient role even qualify as good luck in this case? Is this good luck or bad luck? Vriska rolls the dice and we find yeah. out how the fluoride octet works. I will say before it the the line on the page is maybe the only way to beat your bad luck is not caring about the outcome, right? And I like that very much. Which sort of gets to what GA was saying of like stop believing in your self inflicted bad luck. It's also a very like shitty teen thing to say, where it's like <laughs> oh yeah, like well okay maybe sometimes but like sometimes things are bad and you should care. Mm, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's a very um, like the end of you could hear it in like the end of um the Breakfast Club right before the fist goes in the air. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Um, yeah, so the fluoride octet. No, we gotta see how the dice work. Uh yeah. They work uh each die place has a specific value, right? So there's uh eight to the eighth power possible outcomes. And uh, she just happens to roll uh, the guillotine de la Marquise. And uh, yeah, uh, decapitates Spider-Mom. What's interesting here to note is that the uh, eight side on the Florey Octet, uh, right, the Florey Octet are pip dice, which is 
unusual for eight-sided dice. Um, and the which means spots, which is not part of why they're so cool. For people who like, don't know this, yeah, it's, yes. it's part of why I think they're so cool and why they're I want very them. Very cool. And the uh, pip layout for the eight side is a mirror to Vriska's vision eightfold, right? So her vision eightfold is uh, right. uh, okay. people in the center with uh, six pupils around it on the side that was exploded, and then just one normal eye on the other side. That's um, very good. And the, yeah. the pips sort of mirror that with one off to the side and then a group of seven on the other side of the face. And with them, she kills her mother. And we get the line, au revoir, spider mom. And Briska is awash in uh, her own, well, Blue Briska blood. is slorched. It's dramatic. It's dynamic. It's oh, the end. It's the end. One thing we forgot to mention, Scratch is an adult in a comic about kids. Yes. Yes. Doc Scratch uh, is an adult in a comic about kids. That's a grown man. That wow. is a grown ass man who sure. is now who's maimed a child. Right. Yep. And and but it's almost like a perversion of the Count Olaf versus the Baudelaire's thing in a, a series bit. of unfortunate events where like a series of unfortunate events is all about like the power of children, right? And so like every time the Baudelaire's are like that's Count Olaf. And and then, you no, know, in every like, book, no, in every book, you get the, the narrative yeah. line, like, I'm not Count Olaf, said Count Olaf. And yeah. all the adults around believe Count Olaf as he's in these ridiculous disguises and stuff. And it's sort of a similar thing, except that Homestuck is less a, like, about the power of kids and it's more like a growing up thing. Mm-hmm. But they're like, and so Scratch fills the, like, sinister adult presence role especially because there's not a lot of adult presence in homestuck and certainly not a lot of like yeah especially a lot of like good adult presence in homestuck yeah like it's like dad egbert and that's about it you know like yeah and so to yeah just so to have our like first big adult character yeah i'm sorry nana sprite you are absolutely correct so john's family john's family is cool (laughs) I think there's certainly a case to be made that Mom Lalonde loves Rose. She's just also dealing with alcohol problems. Um, and bro. Uh, bro. Who, bro. Um, who? Not grandpa, a good guardian. We've already talked about Grandpa, grandpa who died. Um, grandpa. Yeah. <laughs> like, even before he died, I'm not convinced that that man had any child and had any business around children. He most certainly did not. Uh, he named a kid after a boat. Uh, <laughs> You made that same joke when we covered that episode. Yeah, I know, and it's still funny. Okay, fuck you. Uh, he blunderbussed the butterfly like he sure within did. feet of his infant child. You know he would have taxidermied that butterfly if there was anything left, though. <laughs> This this is true, <laughs> truly the greatest hunt, man. <laughs> yeah, can't, uh, can't let him get a taste for murder earlier. There's uh, no getting it out of him. Uh, for next time, we are reading pages uh, twenty two seventy four through twenty three ninety one. If you hit the troll romance exposition, you've gone too far. Next time we finally meet a Virgo friend. <gasps> 
Yay! We have two what extremely uncomfortable kisses. Um, oh no! Oh yeah, we do. Holy shit! Oh great! All right. Uh, it's hard teen. being a teen and nobody understands. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. All right. Um, you can find us on the internet. We are on Tumblr at Serious Business Pod. We are on Twitter at Serious Bus Pod. You can find Ari on TikTok at Ghost in the Bathroom and on Twitter at Ghost NT Bathroom. Uh, you can go ahead and uh, leave a comment on their TikToks, Catboy Approved. Um, just, I mean, just you can just it. randomly tweet Catboy Approved at me too if you really wanted to. But frankly, you should. Um, you can... <laughs> can leave us a review on your podcast app of choice uh we'd like a nice one but a your favorite copy possible will work just as well the franken files are available to watch on youtube on the channel uncanny productions you can also the, comment catboy approved at, at the uncanny productions you can also comment catboy approved on the franken files videos i know i have you sure did <laughs> Day one, video Day went one. up. I was like, I know uh-huh. what I'm going to comment. <laughs> you piece of shit. But yeah, Frankenfiles are officially live. The prologue is uh, currently up. Uh, production this is, is going to be outdated episode. by the time this episode goes up. All right, fine. Well, then by the time you're listening to this episode, maybe episode one will be available. Or maybe it won't. I don't fucking know. <laughs> Follow me on Twitter if you want to fucking find out. Jesus, stop asking. And yeah, that's a podcast. Listener, hit next.